Hey all, today we question Jordy's critical thinking skills under pressure. The terraforming crew are a bunch of heartless bastards. And we ask the question, how could you forget about the crystalline entity? Stay with us to find out. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 18, entitled Home Soil. This episode was written by Robert Saberoff, Carl Gewers, if you forgive me, uh, and Ralph Sanchez, and directed by Corey Allen. And the star date is 41463.9. All right, so here's the plot summary for Home Soil. The Enterprise arrives at the terraforming colony on Valera 3 as the project is behind schedule. The director, Kurt Mandel, insists that they are on time, but Captain Picard orders an away team to the surface after Counselor Troy senses that Mandel is hiding something. After they arrive, one of Mandel's team is killed by a malfunctioning laser drill. During Lieutenant Commander Data's inspection of the tool, it begins it begins to fire at him, but his quick android reflexes allow him to dodge the shot and render the drill harmless. He finds that the programming of the laser was rewritten to fire upon the staff. Nearby, a crystal is discovered, giving off irregular light and radiation patterns. The crystal is brought aboard the Enterprise to study, and Picard orders a halt to the terraforming. So, overall thoughts on this one, Andrea? Which I know, I know you didn't have a ton, but I'd love to hear your just feelings about this episode. Was it good? Did it suck? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Were you neutral? Mm. You know, I was a little neutral on this one. It felt like a crossover between the original series and TNG, where mm. the original series didn't really take like a hard look at the science. They just inserted words like laser and planetary to make things sound sciencey, but they really weren't. Um, TNG really goes like more scientifically like deep. Um, but the feel of like the sets and the costumes felt very original, like original series to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the set was like very small. It was really just like two rooms and like three people, right? Where like TNG, as we go, starts getting like a bigger budget. And then they have like this much bigger feel of like when you visit a planet or a station or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it seemed like a little bit of like best of both worlds. Um, the idea of finding inorganic life um, is pretty cool. But we have seen that already before, like in, in season one. W- what were your thoughts? So my thoughts was I, I really liked this episode. I, I did. And it wasn't it wasn't the same as our last episode that we reviewed um, last week when the bow breaks, which was more like just a really cool plot and a hostage situation and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. This one wasn't exciting in that way. But what I loved about it was the scientific possibilities because in this episode they're terraforming they found a barren planet and they're trying to transform it so that it can sustain life and they got this kind of month by month week by week Mm -hmm. day by day strategy in order to create an m-class planet just like earth and that just made me think about what spacex is trying to do right now what you know what we're trying to do with mars and it's just so exciting to me because yeah it just so, so watching this episode, I couldn't help but think that like, oh my gosh, we're really doing this now. You know, like this was just yeah. a thought 30 years ago. This was just a TV show, like fake thing. And now this is, I mean, we're not terraforming today, but we're a lot closer today than we were 30 years ago. And so I was really excited by that. Um, and I was really excited by the idea of inorganic life. That's microscopic. I just thought that was really, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. 
that you know what I could see that sort of checking all of those boxes for you. I actually thought that as a scientist, I would have been more excited by this episode, but I guess it just sort of depends too, like the headspace that I'm in, or like how much energy I have when I sit down to watch this episode um, or the episodes. Um, but I think maybe I was just tired, <laughs> so I was like, I was just along for the ride, but not really thinking really hard about like the science behind it. But I do love the the like explanation that they give of terraforming. For mm-hmm. anybody who does not know what that is, that's like taking a barren piece of land and like growing plants on it and creating like a little atmosphere and like essentially just making it like a habitable planet. Mm-hmm. Right. And they do like a really lovely, like audience friendly explanation of terraforming. Um and that woman uh on the terraforming like station or whatever, she has mm-hmm. that that like screen you know, and you can see kind of like life changing, um, mm-hmm. month by month. And I thought that was really, really well done. Like that, like that kind of hit my little scientist happy spot right there. Like, I really yeah, totally. It. And then the very next scene, they show this, you know, typical Star Trek screen of just like, boop, 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 you know, little bars that don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, can we go back to the one that showed like the green land? Cause that you was know, actually cool. You know what? I thought the same thing. Okay. So let's back up just a little bit and then we'll come back around to that. So the enterprise reaches Valera three. Um, and the director of this terraforming station, Kurt Mandel, um, really doesn't want Picard and company snooping around. Mm-hmm. He seems to be just shy of rude at the beginning. And then by the end, he's like, look, I just don't have time to have you guys come and poking around. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a, a time when Troy is really useful because she can really pinpoint like he's becoming extremely agitated. He's almost at the point of panic when you mentioned coming down for a visit, like mm-hmm. his panic and his fear is escalating. I think we really need to see like what's going on. So they Which, do go- by the way, we could not tell as viewers. So that was another yes. like, you know, point for Troy is that we're like, Oh, he's panicking. Oh, okay. That's good to know. You know, you're right. Because a lot of times you can tell when somebody is agitated, like on the screen. So Troy becomes superfluous, but mm-hmm. in this instance, this guy was just stone cold and like unemotive, if that's mm-hmm. even the word. So she was able to channel information to us as well as a viewer. So I, that was actually really cool. So they beam down to this terraforming little platform and um, they do the introdu- uh, introductions. And did you notice that chief engineer Benson, the guy with the like mullety hair, asks Data where he was manufactured and if there's any more like him. And Data says, both matters are subjects for protracted discussion. Mm-hmm. didn't we just definitively answer both of those questions in data lore like a couple of episodes ago <laughs> we just we literally just answered those questions like both of them <laughs> we know the planet we know who created data we know that there's another one at least yes we know that there's another one but it's really just like sort of a, a you know it's not we don't a know where he is at the moment but we know that right. he exists. But but Data wouldn't be like a human and have emotions and be like, I don't want to talk about it. He'd be like, I was created on Omicron Theta. I have a brother named Lore. He's floating around somewhere because we shot him out <laughs> of our cargo bay. Whatever. <laughs> like, but both matters are just are subjects for protracted discussion. I was like, no, they're not. <laughs> like that bothered yeah. me immediately. And you know what? That's a good point. I didn't realize I didn't notice that, but that's true because data. Like in the previous episodes, which I guess they toned this down because it was annoying, but also funny. In previous episodes, he's usually like this encyclopedic type person where you could ask him anything. You could be like, oh, what time is it? And he gives you the time down to like the nanosecond and yes. like data, like enough information. Yes, true. So it is a little bit out of character for him to not rattle off like I, I was from this planet at this time on this star date found at this place with this person. Like Exactly. No, it's not yeah. it's not like his character to be like demure about 
information. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. But anyway, whatever. So yeah, they jump into this like beautiful explanation of terraforming. And I know what you meant. They went from like the screen that shows like the life, you know, like the planet surface is getting more and more green mm-hmm. to like the typical TNG, just like bars and wavy lines graph and I was like like I got a little sad not as pretty we we should have just stayed on the other one and they could have just told us that there were other things going on on other screens before we got to this point though I want to point this out because I think this is really important for all the viewers to understand when Picard tells the away team to go ahead and head off like all right away team take it and like half the bridge crew disappears yes I saw that did you notice the angle that the camera was at it was the weirdest angle you have to go back and watch it it was like a belly button high angle. So you just see all oh. these like tummies walking by. And I was like, this is so <laughs> odd. I mean, at least it wasn't crotch height. So, you know, yay for hey. that. But you couldn't see any faces. You couldn't see. It was just like this sea of tummies in uniform. Oh, I think I know and what And the you camera mean. like zoomed into like Picard's face. But it was from this really low, like looking up angle. I was like, what? See, we're about to play scene detective right now because I noticed a couple of other things too. When half the crew disappears, the bridge crew disappears to go be part of the away team. Obviously, they can't have those spots all empty. Empty. Right. So, did you notice up at the science station, like at the back of the bridge, mm-hmm. there were like twelve people just mi- just kind of like milling about, but yeah. like just sort of clumped together, kind of like waiting for their cue to walk mm-hmm. forward. And I thought this is the most people I've ever seen on the bridge. Number one. Number two, knowing the layout of the bridge as it is, yeah, everybody walked directly towards the screen and then cut like hard left. And I went, why would you go like around Data's <laughs> comms to get to the turbo lift? Just it's a fucking straight line from Troy's (laughs) seat like that doesn't make any sense yeah it was an interesting direct director's choice I'm gonna say this is maybe this maybe this is an x-files moment because x-files was a little more dramatic in its (laughs) in its scenes but anyways so yes so we get this beautiful explanation of terraforming we can fast forward past the tummies I just really want to share that um this is is what the podcast is all about though because people want to hear our ridiculous take <laughs> like, agreed. Agreed. So thank you for listening. Thank you yes. for listening. Thanks for uh-huh. thanks for listening. Definitely. Well, we have this like dramatic moment mm-hmm. where one of the workers, Melanson, goes into work with the hydraulic drill or the laser drill or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the thing attacks him and he dies off camera. Right. And you go in the dun, most dun, dun, horrible dun. way. Too. Oh my god. You just hear screaming and lasers and, and screaming help me. and lasers. Yes. And they're like beep, 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 can't open the doors, and it's like and Data was there, wasn't he? Why didn't he just yes. like bear claw it open like he always does? I just I, now thought about you that. Know, I thought about you when I saw that because I was like, oh, this is going to be like a great moment for Sharice where she sees him like pull the door open. And then I went, where the hell is he now? <laughs> he's, 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 still, he's still telling the chief very subdued, like subdued, like, this is not the time to talk about my background. Like, and this guy's like, help me, right. help me. Right? Like, he's dead. So, but here's a moment. And I don't know if you caught this, but He's dead, right? They open mm-hmm. it. There's smoke everywhere. He's mm-hmm. on the floor. He's non-responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, With like third degree burns. Yes. Okay. Nice so, 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 it st- so it cuts to commercial there. It goes to black screen there. And then it comes back and it's um, second officer's log. Blah, 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 blah. It looks like something has happened. You know, and he kind of does this whole log. And then Riker contacts Picard and goes this is what happened. We're going to try to get him to sick bay, but it really doesn't look like he's going to make it. Mm-hmm. And I went, wait a second, wait a second. You stopped to make a log entry <laughs> and then tried to resuscitate the dead guy. What? Uh, that, I mean, I thought for like, I thought, okay, for narration purposes, if you've 
you know, went to make popcorn at the tail end, you know, <laughs> before commercial break and you came back and you need to be caught up to speed. But I thought, let's look at the timing of that. Riker is sitting there like, man, this guy looks like he's an inch away from dying. Second officer's log. Like, <laughs> it's like, Riker, I'm going to call a no-no. That was a no-no right yeah. there. Yeah. It's like when you call any number from the city or state and they always say, if this is an emergency, hang up and call 911. Mm-hmm. And you could be calling for anything. Like I called the other day because there was like a dead animal on the street or like a broken tree branch or something like that. And they're like, if this is an emergency, please hang up and dial 911. It's like, don't call us first. Don't call the tree branch people. Yeah, go don't do that. One if it's an emergency. Yeah, it's like that. It's just like that. That's what the computer should have been like. Prepare to enter your log. If this is an emergency, contact sick bay first, then make your log. <laughs> Come on, computer. Yeah. So, so that scene where he goes to the sick bay, you know, Yar rushes in, and then Data rushes in with his phaser out, which I was kind of like. Do they think someone else is in there? They mm-hmm. know there's only three people at this. St- okay, whatever. Maybe just as a precaution. Like, <laughs> it's like clear that the laser on the ceiling was shooting people. It wasn't some guy with a disruptor yeah. hiding behind yeah. the door. But I mean, better safe than sorry. Sure. But then Yar's like, I'm going to go up to sickbay with him. And I was like, but why? What's your function? You're not a doctor. You're not a nurse. You are security. You should probably stay here because it seems like a security issue. Right. Or whatever. And then... You know, Lisa, who's the the woman terraformer, is like, yes. we should go there too. Like, we should be with him when he wakes up or whatever. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then Riker and Deanna are like, yep, let's all go. Wee! And I was like, I don't, I just don't, I feel like you guys can, are not all helpful. You need to <laughs> seal off the room to can do an investigation. Tape? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need that on a t-shirt too. Can we get some caution tape? Out of order right now. <laughs> okay, but here's, here was something I noticed too. So Riker is head of the away team. If anybody dies, well, if anybody dies on his away team, that's on him. But even still, like, you are representing the Federation. You are the head of the away team. He doesn't even step a toe in that room. He's like, oh. make Tasha go in there. She She's familiar with rape gangs and horrible things. It smells, <laughs> smells like bacon in there. I don't want to go in there. <laughs> like, really he doesn't go in at all. He doesn't step a foot in there yet. And then they all go, Wee. there is another moment like that <laughs> later where Wesley is somewhere where he's not even has no business being. And I'm like, again, why is Wesley here again? But anyway, I get ahead of myself. So, so data and Jordy stay behind and they're trying to investigate what Mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. And very quickly, the laser drill focuses on data. And then you hear like pew, pew, pew. And, and then all of a sudden it's like all off camera. Right. And like, you just hear it from Jordy's point of view, which was so challenging for me before that even happened, because they're going in, they're investigating. They're like, okay. And then, so data goes in and he's like, Jordy restart the program so that I can see what was running. And I was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. This laser drill just almost killed a man. Like he's in sick bay right now, but we're all pretty sure he's going to die. Should we maybe not restart the program just yet? And I know that they wanted to, they had to see what went wrong in the program. Like, was it, did somebody tamper with it? Whatever, you know? Let's let's just see what was going on with it. But I just feel like be, but there's got to be some protocols. Room. There's got to be some protocol. Like just you know what? Just just unbolt the laser drill from the ceiling, or step outside of the room because we've established in in Star Trek world that you can remote control anything from any panel anywhere. So yes. they could have restarted that from outside the room. But whatever. So they restart it, and thankfully it's Data in there and not Jordy in there because we'd have you know no more Jordy. And how sad would that be? <laughs> That would um, be so sad. Yeah, well, but so, it's like data. So data can at least, you know, duck and roll and move. Yeah, yeah, he can duck and cover around the laser drill. But here's what cracks me up is he says, I need help. Something's gone wrong. 
And then Jordy and then the mullet guy mm-hmm. run over there and start like pushing buttons to try to open right. the door. Jordy's like, can you open this? And, and then, mullet's like, and yes, then, I can. And yes. I was like, but we couldn't do that before. Also, if a fucking android is having a hard time, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do, They're going to run it with a phaser, of course. What are you? Yes. And Stay then, right there. Wait and a then, <laughs> Yes. And then as mullet, who shall remain named mullet for the rest of our episode, when mullet is beep, beep, beeping to try to get the doors open. Yes. Jordy, Jordy makes a 911 call. <laughs> right <laughs> captain picard data's about to die really jordy get in there yeah and he goes and then tries to get back in there and then at some point he just starts pounding on the door <laughs> let me in but does anybody want to go in there no oh, like you don't want to go in there this whole scene was weird i mean i just thought i just thought data do the best you can man you're on your own like <laughs> don't if you're doing if you're in a strongman competition <laughs> And your strongest player on your team is getting annihilated. Don't send a slug in to try to like, you know, it's like, well, you're not able to do anything. What, are, what would you do? You're going to get your face cut off by laser drill. <laughs> so then, so then the beep, beep, beep is not working. And we hear the laser drill like, yes. And then the yes. doors open and then mullet is like, what did you do? Because the laser drills like ripped from the effing ceiling yes, because yes. Data was fighting for his life. Yeah. And he goes in and he's just like a year's worth of work. How could you? That like, well, bothered me. That wait bothered me. Did this just kill your friend and then almost killed this other guy, but he <laughs> survived because he's an android? Can we just focus on the murdery part here? But no, Sharice, a year of his life's work. Right, not his whole Man. life. Imagine if Mullet had been in there and if Jordy and Data had been on the outside, he wouldn't yeah. be so sad about a year. He'd be like, his turn work. it off, turn it off, break it. Be, let me out, let me out, call Picard, yeah. tell him I'm trapped in here. <laughs> <laughs> Picard should just answer the combat, just like nine one one. What's your emergency? Like he's just. Thanks for letting me know. Please talk to someone who can actually help. I can't. That's that's the thing too. Like Picard would be like, "Why are you calling me right now? Get him out of there!" Like, but but that's what happened, right? So Picard was like, "Get him out of there," and Data was and Jordy was like, "I will," and he's like, "Let me in, let me in." And then you know it's like, and the doors open, and as the doors open, Picard says, "I'm gonna beam him out of there," and Jordy's like, "No, no." No need to. It's all fine. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. No one thought about beaming before this? Like he was in there for a solid, like, three minutes of doom, 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 doom. And yes. it's like, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> so that first 911 call of Captain Data's going to die should have yes. been preceded by, get him out of there. Yes. Transporter now. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, I thought about a transporter, but I thought, okay, if the drill is like a smart drill and it's anticipate as data later said, it was like anticipating his moves and it was learning as he was whatever for a transporter. You have to stay still for a number of seconds. So I, I immediately got, I took the transporter out of my mind right away. Cause I was like, Oh no, that would be my first thought, except you have to stay still for a while. And and then he would just be like shot through the head or whatever before he can get out of there. So I was like, okay, but yeah, don't call the captain who's 16,000 miles up in the sky mm-hmm. to be like, uh, we have a problem down here. And he's like, we'll help him. He's like, uh, okay, let me get back to that. Like, Thanks. I'll keep doing what we were just, I just wanted to let you know. I mean, I told you before making a log. I'm just going <laughs> to. Jordy's log. Data's about to die any minute. In the background of his log, you hear pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and, then <you> hear, <laughs> and then you hear Mullet going, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> 
it's not working. Beep, 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 beep. It's still uh, not working. About it's to be ch- chief engineer's log. <laughs> <That's what's going laughs> anyway, so, all right. So oh, here's another thing. Picard says, beam him out of there or get him out of there. And he goes, transporter room, beam, prepare to beam him out. And then, you know, the doors have opened. Data's walking through the smoke. And he uses his own, Data uses his own comm badge to go, Enterprise, this is Lieutenant Commander Data. There's no need to beam me up. It's like, nobody else sounds like you, Data. You probably don't need to identify who's speaking every time. But they always like, do. That's, that's uh, their thing. That's their I just, thing. I just thought that sounded weird. Although, that's from my perspective being like, oh my God, I almost just died. But he's an android and he doesn't right. so have he any emotion. He, he, wouldn't be, he wouldn't be worried. He'd be like, wow, that was an interesting. Yeah, yeah, he would just be like, that was just another part of the day. Doop, doop, yes. doop, doop, log in that yeah. memory files. So... After after the laser attack, they're back on the Enterprise and they're in the ready room with Picard and he's saying, we need to stop all production and oh, right. start I an investigation. Okay, we need yeah. to start mm-hmm. an investigation. Um, yes. And uh, um, what's the guy's name who just like The guy died? who's in charge of everything. Oh, oh Melanson. Melanson. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Melanson is hanging on by a thread and the laser drill just attacked um, my third in command. So we need to basically like stop everything and do a full investigation. Mm-hmm. At which point Mandel is like incensed and wants to get back to work. And I thought one of your crew members is near death because of an industrial accident. Um, which is on you, buddy. That's on you. Whether mm-hmm. or not whatever happened, like you're in charge of that station. So that falls on you. Timetables are now out the window, pal, because it comes to pass like minutes later, Crusher comes up to the bridge and she says he's dead. So somebody has died on your watch. You stop everything and you open an investigation immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my husband works um, at the port where they are offloading containers onto ships and stuff all the time. And if there's um, a serious enough accident or a death, which does unfortunately happen from time to time because you're working with this gigantic large-scale machinery and mm-hmm. things can sometimes go wrong like they shut everything down for like a week and do a top to bottom investigation so i just found it to be really unreasonable for mandel to be like i have a timetable like mm-hmm. no dude that and does callous. not apply mm-hmm. that doesn't apply anymore you're right and callous it totally is callous like and i kind of i kind of get it because they showed us that beautiful graph of the month by month day by day all of that stuff and so I, I kind of get that there is a legitimate timetable that they are trying to stick to in order to create life on this planet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like the planet was barren before you got there like it could wait it could wait a couple days yes. like yes. I, I I mean but I yeah so I felt like more it was I, I more felt like the entire crew not of the not of the enterprise but of that station yeah was super callous like nobody yes cared at all that the guy died and like later on I guess we'll come to this part but later on you know Lisa the one woman is like in her room crying Mm -hmm. and Riker goes to kind of console her slash get some information from her and I thought she was going to be like I can't believe he died we were so close whatever and she goes my work all everything I've worked for in my life is now vanishing and I was like again like there's not a single tear for the friend who just died like also there were only four of you for a long time working on the station you're telling me, even That's if cold. you didn't like the guy, you wouldn't be shaken by his death. And also an extremely violent and you violent, and painful, death. traumatic death that yeah. you witnessed. And I mean, yeah. that could have easily been you yep. or anybody else in your yep. crew of four. Yep. So yeah, I just, I think everybody was pretty, pretty callous. And another, there was a little bit of foreshadowing when that guy got sent to the hydraulic chamber 
Yes. Um, remember the head guy was he was all like, You should go to the hydraulic chamber. And he was like, Now? Now? Do, now, yeah. do I have to go now? And he's all like, Yes, 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 go. And it seemed like he was afraid to go. And then he got murdered. So then mm-hmm. I was like, did he know something bad was going to happen? Did they all know something fishy was in that going on in that room? And mm-hmm. but then later on, it seemed like, no, they had no idea that people were going to get killed. So I was just kind of like all around. Yeah. You guys just don't. You guys are just heartless. Yeah. <laughs> and totally if you're going to be heartless. starting a new community, I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> no, <Yikes>. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. So Jordy and Dana return to the terraforming site to investigate. Okay. And that's mm-hmm. when they find that blinking light. And mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting that Jor- that Data said, Jordy, I need your um, visual vision. assistance. I mm-hmm. need your visual assistance, which I thought, wouldn't Data be Have able to vision? see just as well as a tricorder? I don't think not so. Better? I mean, he maybe he might be able to see as well as a tricorder perhaps but this is definitely a running theme in the show that Jordy has the best vision of everybody because yeah. he can see an infrared and he can see he can and I and I would doubt that data can see those things because mm-hmm. he's been created to be like a human so I don't think he can see an infrared I don't think he can see you know like molecular structures of things I think his vision is more like all the other humans and Jordy's the one with the superpower here yeah. Okay. Okay. I can buy that. And you know what? I do like that. That's like a nice continuity that continues like from beginning to end of mm-hmm. all of TNG. But yeah, I mean, there are some changes. Like remember in the battle, Jordy was able to like look into that mind altering device, yeah. mm-hmm. but like this was actually really cool. Cause he was like, it's fluctuating and it, the, the like light pattern is almost musical. Like he, he was able to give us, he could also see it was inorganic. Mm-hmm. He was like, mm-hmm, there's no carbon in it. I was like, Whoa. You can see the actual yeah. atoms of something yeah. if you look hard enough. That's, that's amazing. Crazy. That's amazing. Also, without pushing any like buttons on the side or anything. Like, no, he just uses his mind, I guess, to just super zoom. Like, I guess, oh, that would be so cool. Superpowers. Yeah. I think th- there's a reason why that he is like a, a total fan favorite, mm-hmm. you know, like for, uh, because he just has these like cool things that he could do. Anyway, so here's something that, again, caught my ear. Data says, could it be alive? And Jordy says, how could it be alive? It's inorganic. And then they bring the crystal on board and they're studying it. And um, Dr. Crusher is like asking all these questions about how, you know, it can't be alive. It's inorganic. And the thing that I wrote was how quickly we forget the crystalline entity. Didn't you just have a near death experience with another fucking inorganic life form that was of crystalline structure? Do you guys all have amnesia? Like, what is happening? I totally forgot about that. I think we've ah! all, we've, I think in this episode, we have all forgotten that data lore ever happened. I guess. Because every like reference to the that data episode, questions, the yeah. data questions could be answered. The crystalline entity, they could be like, boop, boop, beep, boop. Let's look into our database on like this crystalline entity information that we have and see if there's any sort of like crossover. Could it be an offspring of the crystalline entity? Like that would or have been way cooler. Mm-hmm. Something. But no, they're all like, this can't be alive. How? How can it be alive? It's a crystalline structure. And then the name they give it, the microbrain, that was so offensive <laughs> that that was not nearly as cool as the crystalline entity yes that title was pretty freaking cool yeah. and this one the microbrain was just dumb why would it we call it like, that it sounded like it was like moronic yeah That's i mean no i mean that same type that same kind of a name it sounds like a name like a kid would come up with yes right we're yes. just like mm, that doesn't really? sound very fancy That's, yeah crystalline entity was fancy and this, fancy. this was like the rundown cousin <laughs> of the crystalline entity. And I don't think they needed to get in a name either. I don't think it needed they to be called the just called it, They could have just called it the life form. Why not? That's what mm-hmm. they were calling it for two thirds of the episode. And suddenly they went to microbrain, which I was like, the fuck is that? But so again, 
they forgot all about the crystalline yes. entity and were yes. treating this like it was the first time they've ever seen any inorganic life form, which, mm-hmm. okay, whatever, whatever. That just made me, that so, just annoyed so me. So then there's this part, this scene, this part of that scene where Crusher's asking the computer all these different questions. And then she says, you know, computer, forget all that, forget all the discrepancies and the fact that it can't be live because it's inorganic and all of that. Theorize about how these patterns could come to be, like what this could possibly mm-hmm. mean. And the computer just says life, right? And I was like, wait a minute, the computer can theorize? What? Wait a second. You've never noticed that? That you can just be like computer, theorize, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Let me, uh, allow me to draw your attention to the episode entitled Remember Me, which she's trapped in a static warp bubble and she's asking the computer all of these questions and it's like, I'm, you know, specify or I don't have an answer for that. And then she would just say, theorize. And then it was able to like give her a really well-constructed answer as to what the hell was going on in the plot. Like, I don't, the ironically was. don't remember the episode called Remember Me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a new one on me. <laughs> so, you know, when I, when I was watching this scene and she said, theorize, I was like, God damn it. That is just when you, you know what, if I were on the enterprise and had any question to ask the computer at all, and it didn't give me the answer I wanted, I'd just be like, theorize. And then it would just spit out exactly what I needed it to give me. I feel like they don't use that nearly enough or a lot. I feel like they don't use that trope a lot because I don't recall it. And I was just like, that's kind of neat. And maybe it is something they need to use sparsely because then it becomes like a get out of jail free card. Yes. Anytime they're confused, they just get to be like, theorize, theorize, nope, theorize yes. again. You know, yeah. so that probably true. wouldn't be as cool if they use it all the time. But yeah, this was the first one for me hearing it. I was like, oh, oh, that, okay. Now the computers can make leaps of logic. Doesn't, I feel like that's something a computer can't do by that's, the basis by of it being a computer. Yeah, yeah by so, design. Wow. <laughs> well, did you, did you notice that in the lab, uh, Wesley's in there with, like three other yeah, like yeah, yeah. top 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 officers of the enterprise they're like let's have let's have my son and acting ensign crusher join us he didn't have any dialogue i don't think other than like alive or something he said like one like yeah. a one word thing like that yeah. but i went both times they were in the lab looking at these little blinking lights wesley's in there and i'm like why why mm-hmm. don't you have school or something <laughs> where are you getting yeah, all this work. knowledge from yeah where are you get you have all this knowledge clearly you must be getting it from somewhere but he's just like butting into like every important moment <laughs> you know what that reminds me of it reminds me of the uh of uh gosh what was it called haven i think was the episode when troy was supposed to get married right yes it reminds me of when troy like comes into the transporter room unannounced and it's just like hey guys what's going on something got transported you know, huh it's kind of like that word <laughs> what's just like hey guys What's going on? Huh? Something going you on know, in the in the sick day? <laughs> that's what I thought too. I thought that exact same thing, except I was thinking about it in real life. Like Will Wheaton was probably just like on the set eating a sandwich, and they were like, uh, uh, um, just stand right here. <laughs> they just had him like just be there in the scene. Like they just popped him in just because he happened Get to their be their money's like, worth standing there, I guess. So at this point now they're like, oh my god, this thing is alive. Right. And Riker does go to talk to Lisa and you're right. She's crying because like her life's work doesn't mean what it meant to her before. Or it's all falling apart because they can't continue if there really is life on this planet. Yes. And also, um, that's shitty. (laughs) That's just really shit. I thought for sure she was going to be like, I was in love with him or something, or, you know, like he was my good friend or like, I was waiting for that line to come out and it never happened. Well, at any rate. Okay. So now the captain is talking to Mandel and the terraforming team. And he's like, 
listen, we now know that this is life. It's intelligent life because now it's trying to con it's trying to communicate with us. Um, could it have been, um, firing upon your team as an act of vengeance? Could it have been, could you have been, could it have tried to communicate with you before in any way, shape or form? Yes. You notice anything odd, anything out of the ordinary? Yes. Yes. And Mendel is just furious at being suspected of either murdering his terraforming crewmate or murdering potentially these like crystal things. Right. At, right. And so he's just, he's just the most like unhelpful person. Also, here's my thing too. The people that would be most interested to learn that there's like a new form of life on this planet probably would be terraformers. Mm-hmm. They'd be the most interested. It's like discovering a new gem and a geologist is like, we don't have time for that. Like, yeah, that's totally, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Except for the fact that if they do discover any life on the planet, that means they have to stop everything they're doing and find a whole new planet. So I, I, yeah, I think, I mean, I, so that was the part, you know, I think that's the conflict is being like, uh, it's inorganic, uh, you know, like I really don't want to stop all this work and who knows how many years it takes to actually get to that point that they were at. Maybe it's mm-hmm. taken 20 years to get there mm-hmm. and he's already old and he's like, I don't, you know, like, let's just keep going forward. Um, but thankfully they do see the light because they have no freaking option. These, <laughs> these little, you know, the micro brain kind of takes over the ship in a way. Um, yes. because it starts interfacing with the computer. And I thought that was actually really cool that data was explaining how the, how the micro brain, how the entity, how the life form, um, was affecting the, the whole computer and the ship by sending out charged ions that somehow reprogrammed the computer. And I was yeah, like, that was cool. Yeah. I was like, well, that doesn't totally make sense. However, that's really cool. Like, it's just a cool idea that like the, the little life forms could be sending out light pulses and the light pulses could interact with whatever's going on inside of the, the machinery. And I was like, that's cool. And how he was like, wow, they're, you know, it's interfacing better with our computers than we do, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and Worf was just like, what do you expect? It is a computer. Yes. You know, it basically is like, that's how it interacts and how it communicates using photons and stuff. I thought that was yes. really cool. Like photons as communication was a really that was, cool idea. That is a very cool concept. I agree with you there. Um, the, the micro brain, it's like, it becomes like six or eight or 10 little pricks of light. And then it kind of like busts out of its little, um, bell jar and is like a whole blinking crystal, which kind of looks like an eighties child's toy with just a light flickering in it, but whatever Mm -hmm. it's, it's now this like much bigger, like colony. And Mm -hmm. I think it was Dr. Crusher who said single brain cells on their own are alive, but together form intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't have an intelligent brain cell, just like one brain cell lying on the table. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was actually a really nice way of kind of showing that like this coalesced Mm -hmm. mass has this greater intelligence than the sum of its parts, which is pretty Mm -hmm. neat. Um, There was this funny moment that I kind of rewatched a couple of times and was like, what is going on here? Um, When the micro brain like busts out of its little bell jar and it's that bigger thing, Data is standing on the far right of the bridge, like up against the wall, basically. And then the next shot, you see him sprinting over to the science station for a less than one second. And then he leans over the bridge and goes, Captain, I have the answers. I'm like, first of all, I've never seen Data sprint anywhere. It was so awkward. <laughs> it felt like it felt like they went places. And Brent Spider yeah. went, oh, shoot, I'm supposed to be over there and kind of like ran over <laughs> because it did not seem like in character at all. Uh-huh. Um, and then the way that he was doing the like 
super dramatic and urgent, like, um, explanation where he's mm-hmm. like, the microbrain might be photoelectric. Like, I don't know if you noticed that, but rewatch it if you get a chance. He is so dramatic about how he's like explaining this information. Like, it's so dramatic. That's just like, like, no, Dana, I this did, is not you at all, man. I didn't notice that, but I do like when Brent Spiner gets to show a little bit more of his chops because. I do think he's a really great actor and I, and it's he, kind of ironic is. that he's playing someone with like, no, <laughs> like, no emotions, but that's what makes it so fun because then he does like subtle things and whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I'll, I'll have to rewatch, rewatch that part. Especially the sprint. Cause it was like, Oh, I'm not supposed to be standing here. <laughs> Places. <laughs> yes. That's what it felt like. Um, so, so they, they realized that this microbrain is photoelectric, meaning it gets its energy from light. Um, so Picard sends Riker to kill the lights in the lab. And my first thought was there are people working all over the ship. There's nobody like this thing could destroy the ship in a second. And you're telling Riker to get in a turbo lift and go down a bunch of floors and then run across a bunch of that yeah. just, what there's they nobody did, closer that can do that. They did say that once the, the microbrain started affecting the computer systems and taking over stuff, cause they couldn't shut it down remotely and they couldn't yeah. access stuff on their panels or whatever. They did say that Yar said that they evacuated people to the furthest parts of the of the ship. Okay, okay, thank said, you. Said like we've told everyone to go to the as far away from the sick bay as they possibly can because we've got these people stuck in turbo lifts over here. We've got these people over here that are stuck. We've got like we just told everybody to get out of that area because we don't know what it may affect and we won't we don't know if we'll be able to help them. So it does beg the question: How did Riker even get there? But whatever. You know what? So he See, gets but there. That, but that makes me feel better though because I was like, you know, there's got to be somebody like walking down the corridor right in front of the lab that could have just done that in two seconds. But we have to wait like six and a half minutes for Riker <laughs> to like get all, all the way over there. Um, but but okay, and this is really I, a job that. for Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> yes it really is this actually would make sense if you sent wesley to cut the lights that yes yeah. also if they couldn't do it remotely from the bridge you can't do it remotely quote unquote from across the hallway yeah I no but they gonna... went in and they pulled out the like they pulled out the what do they call those chips they pulled out the chip that can isolinear chips yes those isolinear no, chips no they that's what oh, he, just... he pulled a he pulled out the wall thingy and he pulled like a thing out Okay. Okay. Wow. So you he were, didn't like, like he didn't tap lady. a panel. Yeah. 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 Because I was thinking that too. I was just like, how is he gonna? And then he's like, ching ching, and pulled out the little thing. I thought I was, I was like, gonna oh, okay. see him like open the door and just like flip a switch. <laughs> like, just <his> hand. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, come on now. That's not gonna work, right? You know what? That's it. Somebody needs a nap, and it's you. We're just turning <laughs> this light right off. <laughs> you know what? You don't have any light switches, and you don't have any door handles, so you can't nope. walk them in or out, and you can't turn the lights off. There's, there's no lights out. <laughs> anyway, so they send Riker. Riker goes and pulls, I guess, isolinear chips. That was a good catch because I didn't know that. Or some kind of little thing out of the wall. Right? And mm-hmm. so the life form agrees to like end hostilities and to be allow itself to be sent back to the planet mm-hmm. in exactly the place that it was sort of growing, like that had access to water and light so it can kind of do its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of the end of the episode. And here's something that I was like, nope. So Picard had like a closing log. And he said, okay, we've placed an indefinite quarantine on Valera 3. Quote, perhaps the lesson we've learned from this near tragedy will prevent it from ever happening elsewhere. And I went, um, near tragedy? You, somebody died. <laughs> so 
I could see them. Could you imagine them going to like Mrs. Melanson and being like, I'm so sorry, your husband died or your husband was involved in a near tragic experience right. on this terrible. Right. She's like, is he okay? Oh no, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's gone. He's totally gone. <laughs> the near tragedy we were talking about with these crystals. Oh no, your husband, he's dead. He's like yeah, super yeah. dead. Like, <laughs> we, yeah, we were just thinking that these crystals could have really been, could have, could have been hurt. Right. And so, but some of them were, but like we, we rescued the rest of them. So but we didn't know. Yeah. Perhaps the lesson we've learned from this near tragedy will prevent it. I was like, no, it, it already was a tragedy idiot because somebody died. Like, I was yeah, like and, not only, and not only did somebody die, but tons of the crystals also died. That's why they went to war is because as they were siphoning off the water, the water levels dropped. And so all of the creatures pulled the, pulled didn't have the access light. to the yeah. light. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, not only did this guy die, but this guy died really in retaliation for like bajillions because they're microscopic yeah. for like, who knows how many for like this mass genocide yeah. that was happening in this little plot of earth that they were terraforming. So it's like, was a major tragedy. It was yeah. a major tragedy on both sides. And then my thinking that I couldn't stop, I just couldn't stop thinking this. And I just really wanted resolution on it. I was like, can't they just put the water back? I mean, yeah. everything that's died has already died. So that just like that's back, done. Though. That's done. However, you've lowered their water table level, like the level yes. of, of water yes. is lower because you siphoned it out. Can't you put it back? But now that I'm thinking about it, I guess you really can't put water back in a layer of sand. It just has to like sink down or something. I don't know, whatever. It's future people. Like, yeah, it's the 21st century. They can figure it out. Technology to put it back. Cause I was like, yeah, you guys, you know, we screwed up. We siphoned the water, but here it is in this tank. Mm-hmm. We're just going to put it back where it was. And, you know, as yeah. they, you know, multiply, they'll repopulate their own area. So I don't know. I just, yeah. I really wanted, I really wanted him to say that in his final log after he said a near tragedy. And by the way, we put all the water back where it was and yeah. really, you know, sh- shut down the station and took all of our equipment away. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, we totally glossed over this. When the microbrains are communicating with the crew, they call them ugly bag of mostly water. Mm-hmm. Just pretty, pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which pretty I love. Apt. Yeah, I love that data was like, well, you are almost 90% water surrounded by like a permeable bag or like casing or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, well, you're not wrong there. I, you you're know, I would, wrong, I, would, I would argue the 90% water because I don't think we're that much water, but I don't, I don't have the numbers on that for sure. So I would no. argue the ugly. I feel like that was a low blow. Not necessary <laughs> at all to the description of human beings. Well, you know what? <laughs> Troy pulled a Michelle Obama because when they went low, she went high. <laughs> okay, Because she said, we think you're beautiful. We think all life is beautiful. And I was like, you go, Troy, just rise above the bullshit. Okay. Mm-hmm. And just try to communicate like our bad because you know, yeah. yeah. Ugly bag of most. Of- Although I think it's, I think it's funny though, that humans are being called ugly because I think so many times in Star Trek, people refer to as like Klingons is like ugly and savage and all that. And it's like, mm-hmm. if you think about what our features look like, two eyes and a nose and a mouth and ears that kind of stick out from our head. Like if, if a Martian were to come down and look at us, what features about us would they find like repulsive? Mm-hmm. And what features about them would we find repulsive? Like we're just so used to seeing 10 fingers, 10 toes and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so we put nail polish on our nails and all that, and it's just treated as normal. But can you imagine trying to describe what that would be like to like a, a non-native of earth? Yeah. You know, for me, I always picture the alien monster makeup as just always awesome. Like it never looks ugly to me. It's always like, I mean, sometimes it may look a little dumb, or maybe a little racist, but never ugly. Grinky. It's always, yeah, 
<laughs> for example. But it's always like so interesting because I just think of like the art behind it. Like, how did you create? How did you create something like that in your head? And then how did you make it a reality on someone else's face? It always just blows me away. Even like, even if it's subtle, like the Bajora who just have like little ridges on their nose, yes, yes. or if it's like the Cardassians who like look like snake people or whatever. Yes. It's just like, dude, like that is like super cool. So. I always appreciate like the monster makeups, except there is an exception now that I think about the it. The snakes and the, <laughs> and the dogs. Oh my gosh. But that was not monster makeup. That was party city masks. So yes. Yes. to be fair, not the same world. Um, <laughs> another thing about that was the universal translator. The mm-hmm. universal translator can apparently translate inorganic speech into English. Yeah. Which was neat. And- and you would need a database upon which to like pull and cross-reference information. And if they have just been growing and evolving yeah, just recently, you think that you would have their language in your database already? Well, no, they wouldn't. The, the, it was the microbrain that mm-hmm. interfaced with the computer. Oh, okay. And then they said, let's turn on the, the universal translator. But before, when they first all evacuated the, the mm, sick bay, mm-hmm. the microbrain was interfacing with the translator. Oh, that's right? what was, it was going like, on. Okay. Eh, 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 like it was talking. Yeah. And then they were like, get out of here. Everybody yeah, get out of here. Run. Everybody and run. they all ran. And then Picard immediately said, it's trying to communicate with us. Right. So it was uh, like, it was more the microbrains connecting with the computer that helped them to speak to it. Not the other way around. Okay. So you know what? This entire episode, you have just been like the help lady. Because I'm like, I don't understand how they did this, this, or this. And you're like, oh, well, what? here's what was going on. <laughs> yeah. I really think this episode was very like, like, I feel like they did their homework. I think this episode was, was very well done and so fascinating if it were to ever happen in real life. So fascinating. Super fascinating if it were to happen in real life. I think that there are some problems with this episode in that, um, they completely forgot about the crystalline entity. Mm-hmm. They completely forgot about Data's backstory, which was just mm-hmm. like a one-off sentence. So that doesn't really bother me. But they're like difficulty in believing that there can be intelligent, inorganic life forms. Mm-hmm. To me, like it, it didn't play well with me because I was like, no, guys, like two episodes or three episodes, we like went over this. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there might be a reason behind all of this. Um, the script, from what I understand, was rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. And then it was handed to the director, Corey Allen, one day before shooting was to begin. Ah. That didn't allow a lot of time for like checking and and Mm cross-referencing. And I think the person who wrote this script had not seen or read the script for Data Lore. Right. So they didn't even know that that was a thing. Mm -hmm. However, for continuity's sake, I'm like, you guys have already, you guys have already like battled a big crystal. Mm -hmm. So you should know about this. But given like the IRL backstory, like, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, that does make more sense. Thanks for that deep dive. <laughs> it was the only one for this whole episode. There was, it's, the, it's, it's all we like, needed. It's all we it's needed. The, it's the like least amount of deep dives I've ever done in my life. So, all right. <laughs> um, so I feel like we're done, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. As the, as the life form said, let's revisit this episode in three centuries. We'll try again. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds perfect. On that note, next week, we're talking about season one, episode 18, Coming of Age. We love having you guys listen. Throw some comments on our Instagram, the TNG podcast, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.